Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Happy Halloween, my fellow creatures of the night. We are back for the second half of my conversation with Gil Bentley, host of the Black Cat Report. We left off following a violent electrical typhoonic storm, objects seen in the sky, and the discovery of some very large footprints left by a mysterious creature. Please enjoy the rest of my conversation with Gil. Now, these footprints are everywhere. And when I'm saying everywhere, I mean on the sides of walls, <laughs> like on people's roofs, wow. um, just like on the street. And like they're in cement and asphalt, right? But they're not depressed. It's not like pressed into the cement. It's like seared, like burned. Like in a weird way into the cement all over the city. And in total, the radius was a one kilometer radius of the city, which is huge. Wow. All over this downtown area, there were footprints. Neighbors and stuff are coming out of the house, all these people, the residents, and they're just looking around there like, what the, f-? <laughs> you know, like, what are these weird markings all over? And immediately they start noticing that there's white triangles, like, spray painted or painted around a lot of these footprints and the way the triangle it's a little bit off off shape it's not a perfect triangle but all the triangles are painted so that they're pointing in the direction that whatever that three-toed thing was was walking it's it's pointing like an arrow around each footprint right Mm -hmm. obviously you know people are out and they're talking last night was crazy what are all these footprints doing here and they start following these literal arrows and they get to the downtown area in a, I believe it was a soccer field or baseball field right next to the landing strip at the Pemex uh, oil refinery facility, right? Where all these events happened. And there's teams of people in hazmat suits. There's literally the way it was described as gringos flooded in from America. It was, it was Americans flooded in there and the local police were doing security for all these Americans that were there. Mm-hmm. who were going through and taking samples of a large burnt out ground area right at the end of the landing strip and had marked and painted footprints around the city for the past few hours tracking where these footprints had gone now what's to me what's what what's fascinating what's trippy about this is again this is a city right this is a large city and people at different angles of witnessing different events over the course of the night nobody disagrees that there were footprints everywhere seared into different materials all over the city and large teams of people in hazmat suits from america there um everybody agreed and it wasn't just enough that everybody saw it in one day these footprints stayed there for months so while the hazmat teams were there they went from trying to treat these footprints to get rid of them with chemicals to literally using sulfuric acid to eventually straight up getting saws and sawing them out of the cement <laughs> because they couldn't remove these freaking marks from the cement around the city. And, but, you know, try as they might, locals like residents were still finding these footprints even after all the gringos went back up to the United States. They were still finding them in random places like next to sewers and like, you know, down by creeks and like all over. And people were afraid. They were literally, there was a cultural context around it where people thought they might be radioactive. I mean, they woke up, found mm-hmm. footprints, and then see the people that are looking at them in hazmat suits who wouldn't yeah. respond with, I need to stay away from that. So 
people would talk about like they would get to a certain spot on a block and everybody would cross the street and follow the sidewalk there and then go like people were trying to avoid these footprints that were left there Yeah. yeah and all of this adds up to something which i thought was fascinating as like a research move but carlos guzman and like when he started looking into this he didn't go to june 1st 1973 in the local newspapers when he was digging through archives he went a few weeks before and went around the region and started trying to find if there was anything leading up to it there had been a string of large dog-like cryptid encounters of people being attacked by them <gasps> at local ranches one person may have even died <laughs> like this had all been leading up but obviously giant ufos you know iron thing footprints gringos coming down and hazmat suits that made the newspapers right like that spread all over and at that point you know every tom dick and harry out there like had a story it went from men in black to large reptilian like ostrich looking things to, like there was so much stuff like banter like kind of like put around this case mm -hmm. um but the actual case itself thanks to his great research was honestly even weirder than all of the rumors around it itself. So I have no clue, no clue what that cryptid could be. Um, but, but damn it, does it not make me think that that giant steel like humanoid wasn't just looking for his lost dog? <laughs> like, that's what it seemed like. <laughs> oh no, like, did he end yeah. up leaving it behind? Is it still down there? I don't know. Lurking around. Wow. I, I don't know, but that case just like, blows my mind and the amount of witnesses and evidence and stuff around it was just like well something happened yeah you know, yeah who yeah, knows what it was that's but. that's one of those uh cases that are just way way compelling because yeah just when you have all of those eyes uh on the situation and they can all report back the same details and strange yeah. strange details that you wouldn't think like somebody just fabricating something like that would say like i don't know just a really strange detail it's almost like you saw it it's almost like yeah. you witnessed it um so is that is that the that's the general kind of consensus i know that they threw around different things as to what it could have been but is that like kind of <laughs> local lore that it these yeah. large dog uh, well cryptids or people people claim different sightings not enough that i could like go through the gamut of like what some people claim that they saw mm -hmm. um again ostrich reptilian things running around um and like other folks seeing like dog looking things right. um who knows what the heck it was i do i did re just remember these footprints they traveled in a group judging by like the actual footprints themselves there was at least three of these creatures probably should have included that three of these creatures like running around is like a pack together one of them had mm -hmm. four toes the other two had like three um and there was like you know different sizes i don't know trackers do crazy stuff you know they can hunt squonks so i'm not <laughs> sure <laughs> um, obviously yeah <laughs> but but there's no like clear consensus again this is a crazy night by the time this was happening it was mm -hmm. pitch black there was no power in the city mm -hmm. right it's the 80s and like everybody was probably sleeping at that point <laughs> there was nothing to do nowhere to go the weather was crazy everybody was in for the night and uh last fact on that on the trail through the residential neighborhoods where those um, footprints were found, all of the antennas, the TV antennas, were snapped all the way down the street. So there was just a large row of like going down city blocks of everybody's house had snapped TV antennas. And they didn't look like they just got bent off like it, like they broke perfectly. All of them Whoa. leading up to this, this site where this landing happened and the, you know, 
the hazmat teams were. It's just weird. <laughs> that yeah. case is weird. What a but, strange, strange story. And uh, you would think like with so much involved in it and so many witnesses and just all this like weird stuff happening within yeah. it. It wasn't just like one event, one thing that happened. It was all this stuff that it would be more well known, like, yeah. you know, more publicized or yeah. something. So that's good that's what we good like on, to do good on, on Mr. Show. Gooseman. Good, good <laughs> on you. Thank you for bringing it to yeah. our attention. Wow. Well, thank you. That's yeah. I hope that fits as a cryptid somewhere. <laughs> I think it does. And uh yeah, you know, I, I gotta I gotta start reading more into like Charles Fort stuff and uh, yeah. uh John more John Keel stuff, like just about some of the, the, the weirder side of of UFO I don't know, cases and um yeah, there's just like a, a high strangeness aspect to these cases that just it's it's very intriguing um and especially like like with uh cryptids involved in these ufo cases and are seen in the area and a lot of times that is bigfoot that's people have reported like yeah i saw a ufo on this side of mountain and then there was a bigfoot sighting over there just like 20 yards away so yeah very intriguing thank you i i really enjoyed that mystery cryptid and i i guess it shall remain a mystery yeah. for now awesome and well uh this hour flew by so quickly <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's go ahead and uh, head into our final questions final thoughts okay. section and then we will close it out and uh, if you can hang around with me and we'll do a little backstage chat on patreon of course okay awesome all right ma'am so For your final questions, I've just got a couple here for you. I did think of one extra one. I'm going to throw in there real quick uh, just because I'm curious. And this is what we talked about today. Where do you actually fall on belief about cryptids? Mm. Ooh, that's that's almost like asking, you know, where do you fall in history? Do you believe it? You know, like it's like, you know, no, no, no. I I, I know. I know the I believe I know the spirit in which you're asking. Um. Some, yes. Some, kind of like with a lot of the lumberjack, you know, like critters and stuff like that, are very obvious reflections of of, um, culture. And I think Mm. that's when they veer off more into the area of actual folklore, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they are a perfect representation of, you know, um, population, society, the culture, the occupations at the time, Um, which I, as a history nerd, like I love that too, because a lot of times it's, Studying those cryptids can actually show you an honesty about people's critiques and their views on society deeper than just reading what they try to say about themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. again, with like the hide behind, like, you need to be, you know, poop face drunk uh, in order to not get like your intestines slashed out. Well, that probably fell back to alcoholism and like people (laughs) drinking too much um, out in the woods. Um, and then, like, you know, like your guest had mentioned on that episode um, that, like, then it was almost like the wives rebelled and they were like, well, there's this other cryptid who has an extra claw and uh, it'll kill you if you drink too much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, yeah, so there's yeah. that. Or, um, you know, even then it was like the splinter cat, which a ridiculous cryptid of a cat that would just ram its head into trees and yada, yada, yada. Um, but that was almost an ex- explanation of, like, falling lumber and, like, the hazards around the occupation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Along with the agropelter, which would throw branches at people and kill them, you know, in the woods. It was kind of like, hey, you know, don't just look forward, look up when you're going through these, you know, old forests (laughs) and stuff like that. So, and you go around the world and you like look at these different cryptids um, 
or creatures or goblins or ghouls and they all you know they are a clear reflection of society and but it does push the debate of are they a clear reflection of the society or is that just how the society has terms and ways of explaining what they witness mm-hmm. right yeah. so where's the balance at right we're all kind of limited by our linguistics by our lexicon and our culture and our time um so some cryptids i guess to, to circle back to your answer um some cryptids yeah 100 percent. i could see yeah. them existing you know um bigfoot fully on board with that um now i don't know if at any moment bigfoot might go extinct um but to say that bigfoot has existed even up until recently you know 90s 2000s 100% i can 100% believe that and that you know just falls back on um the fact that you know, look at the totem poles of the folks that were living here first where it's like that's the only quote unquote by european standards mythical creature on that totem pole right what the hell yeah, like, kind of strange, huh? Yeah. And it's, you know, the Europeans have had a long history of realizing that, like, you know, indigenous and, like, native and First Nations folks were kind of right about a lot of stuff. Um, and it's just taken us hundreds of years to circle back and be like, hey, maybe we should, like, uh, not just pour bleach directly into the water or, like, you know, <laughs> you know, oh, it's crazy. Or maybe things are connected. Um, so, yeah, I, I always try to fall back when I'm looking into like folklore cryptids around the world. I try to fall back on like, what do what are the indigenous? What are the, the um, First Nations folks around the world? Like, what were their beliefs? Right. Obviously, still taking it with a grain of salt around like cultural context. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people dismiss it as like, well, that's related to their gods or this. Well, that's just the words that people use, <laughs> you know, like you, don't dismiss it, you know. Right. Um, and I think there's I think there's something there. And I think sometimes these are very rare sightings of freak, you know, just kind of mutated our uh, genetic anomalies, you know, like Thunderbirds and stuff. Um, they might have been a giant bird that just mutated that way. And it might have lived for 15 years. And a lot of people saw it. Um, and it started a legend. And maybe every, you know, 30 or 40 years, this little gene pops up, you know, one out of every 300,000 of these birds. And pops up again, keeps the legend going. But um, but I don't know. I mean, pandas exist. And they were cryptids up until 100 <laughs> years ago or so. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Do I believe in the squonk? That's the real question. And 100%. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I've been to gothic nightclubs and I have seen them. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Lord. Gil, I I love the way your brain works. I just really enjoy that. Um, Yes. And squonks. Hashtag squonks live. Okay. (laughs) I think I'm with you there. Um, So for my final question for you today, uh, Gil, would you tell us your spooky story? Yes. Okay, um, trying to keep it uh, to the shortest version I can as possible. Um, but now nah, I'm just going to tell you. I need a sip. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. You're my, my last October guest, so uh, yeah, very excited. I'm honored. All right, so a little backstory about me in my early twenties: uh, um, hitchhiking, traveling, and I was hopping trains. Right um before I you know settled down got lazy and boring um and on one of my stops I was living in Tampa Florida at the time and I was trying to go west to um specifically to an area in Texas this was during the um Keystone XL pipeline like blockades that were happening I don't know if anybody remembers that but I was 
um, heavily involved in environmental movement and organizing and stuff at the time. And like anybody involved in grassroots movements, poor as hell. So I was hopping trains and I went from uh, Tampa up to Jacksonville via Amtrak. And from Jacksonville, um, this wasn't my first ride, but it was like my third or fourth. And the person who taught me how to hop trains had given me a very detailed breakdown. I mean, this guy had a, a photographic memory, my mentor for hopping trains. I called him. I was like, hey, this is where I need to go. And he's like, all right, so you're going to go here. You're going to go here. Then you're going to see a dollar store and you're going to turn left and there's going to be a burned house. Like it just like he hadn't been there in years. And he was like this, 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 this. And I was like, sweet. Thank you. You know, I'm like, so that was the little that was the loose plan I was I was following. I had to get out to uh, actions that were taking place, which I ultimately got arrested for um, out in Texas, in Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, it's all public record and case has been you know, <laughs> resolved or whatever. We can talk about it now. Um, so, so, so anyways, um, I get there. I get there via uh, Amtrak. The only time I ever rode a train up, uh, one of two times I've ridden a train legitimately as a passenger. Um, I get there. He was like, all right, so when you get there, I'm going to go outside. There's going to be a shuttle. That shuttle for $5 will take you into... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name. Oh my God, I'm blanking. It's a town in North Florida, right? I um, also don't want to blow up the spot too much, honestly, <laughs> because there's still people that are hopping trains through this little, little spot of town in Northern Florida. Um, so he's like, you're going to go pay him $5, tell the bus driver to drop you off at the McDonald's. He'll know the one you're talking about. And I was like, what? And so, uh, so I get there, the shuttles are ended. The train had been delayed that day. And kind of my first encounter, Right. And they get more intense as it goes on. But my first encounter was I come outside. There's all these taxi drivers waiting at the, the train station, you know, to get people rides and stuff. And I'm just confused. I'm like, shit, I don't know where to go. I only have like $15 to my name. And this guy looks over at me and he looks confused. And he's just like, you trying to get a ride? And I was like, yeah, I need to go to town. I guess I'm supposed to go near a, a McDonald's. Honestly, I'm hopping trains. And this is just the way that my friend told me to go. And he was just like, $15, man, it costs $75 for a taxi ride into town. And I was like, I, I literally don't have that. And he's like, damn. And I go inside, I'm getting water. And he comes in, he's like, hey, I just felt the need. Like, I'm going to give you a ride. Like, and I'm like, oh, well, thank you. That's not uncommon when you're traveling and hitchhiking. Like, people's kindness and goodness comes out. And it honestly restores your faith in humanity if you don't get picked up by a serial killer. Um, so... <laughs> So this guy gives me a long ride and he goes on this long philosophical breakdown and yada, 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 yada. It was awesome. Drops me off. I get to the McDonald's and I see this for whatever reason. You know, if you're out in public and you see folks that just kind of catch your eye for whatever reason, like you're not trying to be weird and stare at them. You don't even think they're like pretty or super ugly or anything like that. It's just for whatever reason, you're just magnetically like, what? Like you see them and it connects. You see these two folks. Obviously, they're all like, you know, dressed in black and they're at, at McDonald's. And I'm just kind of like, look, and I see him, whatever, you know, bookmark in the back of my brain. And I start walking the long walk down the road to the family dollar where I was supposed to yada, yada, fall the spot into, into the woods where I could wait for a train to catch to go west. Make the long walk there, get to the family dollar. It's like, everything's exactly where my mentor told me, you know, things would be. And I'm walking down the road now. One of the first things you learn when you start hopping trains is how unbelievably boring it is. It's just mm -hmm. insanely boring. Like it, it really has prepared me for a life working with spreadsheets. Like they are so exciting compared to <laughs> hopping trains. Um, so, so next to the tracks, it's like, so picture this, a railroad going uh, 
east and west. One side of the tracks, it's a swamp, it's, it's Florida. Um, the other side, there's a gravel service road, right? And to the right side of the service road is kind of like a little hill that's going up. It, it's Florida. They're, it's like the one hill in Florida. Anyways, so I'm walking down this long service road. And sure enough, I, you know, hear the, the train whistle. That's insane. Trains never come, like, within 10 minutes of getting to a spot. Like, a lot of times it's days or sometimes weeks to, like, actually catch the train you need to leave to go somewhere. It's not an efficient way to travel. So, um, so I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm so lucky, you know. And I'm running down this road and I'm running down this road. I'm trying to get to a good spot away from the street lights. Like, again, there's like forest and a hill on the one side. I'm trying to get far enough down that people aren't going to see me when I'm going to hop onto the train. And sure enough, at the opposite end, that, well, the end that I was walking towards, this is like a mile long service road, headlights pop up on the service road. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> and I run up into the woods and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Everything's cool train comes by it stops i'm like oh my god it's going the way i'm supposed to go i go out and i'm like <laughs> looking for one of the one of the cars i can ride on and then boom headlights come on and i'm like shoot <laughs> and they're shining right at me they're looking straight at me it's maybe 75 to 100 feet away it's a cop <laughs> and i'm like crap and so i run and i run into the woods and i only get so far into the woods before like and you know spotlights on jason Bourne style you know like cops like looking for it was obvious i was about to hop this train right <laughs> and i'm illegally trespassing on a service road um and so spotlights on in the woods it's night and like i just throw my bag down on the ground again i'm on a hill that's facing the road so like i can't hide anywhere i'm literally angled to face them right I throw my bag down, giant traveling bag, and I lay down on the ground. And for whatever reason, I'm like, this will work. <laughs> and of course, the spot that I lay down in as, is completely dead. There's no vegetation. There's nothing. It's just like a giant dead spot underneath a large tree. The worst spot to try to hide from a, a searchlight, a spotlight. Mm -hmm. Spotlight comes by and shines straight on me. The car stops. Like I, I remember to this day the sound of the brakes. Like, like just the the break the cop stops and i'm just like oh shit oh shit i'm I'm so freaked out and i'm like i'm going to jail tonight crap <laughs> you know and i'm waiting and my heart's you know beating fast and I'm like oh crap oh crap oh crap but the cop doesn't say anything it's just shining a light at me and then it time keeps going and time keeps going i'm still under a spotlight this whole time this was october november i'm freezing cold right and so <laughs> i have my blanket there at one point and this is where I can relate to some of the ridiculous sounding things that people say that they did during their high strangeness or paranormal encounters, where when you look back and you're like, why that? Why on earth would anybody do that? It's like, there's weird things that click in your brain at that time. Like there's very strange things that'll click. I was getting cold. And frankly, I think once my adrenaline was kind of wearing off, I was getting impatient with like, dude, are you going to arrest me or say anything? <laughs> but if I am somehow magically perfectly out of your sight, even though I'm literally in a spotlight, like I don't want to move, you know, I'm not trying to give myself up. And so I unclipped the blanket. I had this old cowboy blanket on the outside of my traveling pack and I put it over top of me. <laughs> And I'm just like waiting to get arrested again, spotlight on me the whole damn time. And it gets to the point where, you know, I'm like underneath the blanket, I'm texting my partner at the time and I'm like, hey, I'm going to jail tonight. <laughs> and she's like, what the, you know, and like, da 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 da. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, cops got a spotlight on me right now. I don't know when they're going to arrest me. 
And then I just felt like I woke up. Like that was one of the last things that I remember, but like it, it almost felt like I blacked out. I don't know if I had a crash because I was eating like crap and like all that adrenaline or like what happened, but I just like woke up and the forest was black. I was laying there with the blanket on top of me and everything. And I was like, what? That and the train was gone. Everybody's gone. I, you know, cautiously walked out of the woods onto the service road and I look and I'm scared the cop's going to pop out again. No cops, just middle of the night. And look at my phone. Obviously, I had like 60 missed calls and text messages from my partner. I had been out for like two hours. I have no idea what happened to me. Now, that could all be chalked up to a lot of things. Like I said at the, the start of this episode, you know, like I came in very uh, against a lot of these things, very skeptical and stuff like that. Now, few days later again i well i was here for like a week and weird crap kept happening i'm go, not going into all the minutiae but there was a lot of weird events that kind of just set a tone for this whole this whole experience i became a frequent at that mcdonald's charging my phone every day there things like that like early in the morning going back and waiting for the train because they don't really run on our schedule they just kind of show up and if you're not there you miss it and you have to wait another week right again it's super exciting it's a big adventure <laughs> um <laughs> Well, the one evening walking back to to the tracks, I'm, I'm walking down this road and I'm heading towards the tracks and the train starts coming and I can hear from the sound that it's going from east to west. Great. That's perfect. I need to go from east to west. Mm-hmm. Um, can't go too far east from Florida. And so <laughs> I start running, you know, 60 pounds of gear on my back. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. And I'm on the side where there's the swamp by the time I finally get to the train. There's like a small little bit of road with some houses and then the swamp starts on that side of the tracks. And so I'm running along through this little neighborhood that butts up against railroad tracks looking for a car that I can hop on. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh God. And then I find it. I had been here for days. I was hungry. I was tired. Yada, yada, yada. I just wanted to get the heck out of this little town. And I'd been living on Hormel Chili and McDonald's, like not a good vibe. And so (laughs) I go to climb up. And of course, right at that moment, a cop car on the other side of the train pulls onto the road with a spotlight coming down. And I'm like, and so I jump off and I jump into the swamp and I'm up into about my shoulders in swamp water up against the edge of these railroad tracks. Luckily, again, a bunch of little things happen at that abandoned burned out house. My friend had told me about, I had found old camouflage netting, which I was like, that's cool. And I attached it to my backpack and like a bundle. Mm -hmm. So I pulled that crap out and I put it over top of my head. And I was just like, you know, looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like whatever (laughs) movie he's ever been in where he's hiding in a swamp covered in mud. (laughs) Um, And and I'm sitting there, train goes spotlight shining straight on me as it just like kind of like it, well it didn't shine straight at me it kind of just like glanced by me i was blending in with the vegetation it, it was camouflage and i was like holy shit that lucky i had camo <laughs> like what the heck um but i'm soaking wet it's the fall it's cold like i'm getting out of the swamp right and again i had been living in florida for years before this i can't take anything below 65 at this point in my life you know and I climb out just covered in mud and freezing cold. This was late evening at this point. It was starting to get dark. And I look over at the end of the this little, I guess, situation at the family dollar, and I see that couple, which I had also seen a bunch of other times. We never said a word to each other, and I feel like we never made eye contact. I stared at them. I don't know if they looked at me. I get out, and I at this point, you know, I'd remembered something my mentor told me. He was just like, hey, if you keep seeing the same folks around town, ask them about the trains. They live there. They get annoyed by them every day. They know the schedule. 
I was like, cool. And so I walk out of the swamp covered in mud up to these folks that are standing outside of that family dollar. And I'm like, hey, I'm trying to hop a train. And like, before I get another word out, the woman responds, your dad was really old. And I was like, what? And she's like, he was a coal miner. He had black lung his whole life, didn't he? And I was like, what the fuck? So my name, Gil, because I'm a junior, because my dad, born in 1933 in Pikesville, Kentucky, was a coal miner growing up. And back in 1933, it was like the 30th most popular name, 33rd or something like that. Nobody knows that. <laughs> like, nobody knows that. Even close friends of mine don't, might not even know how old my dad is, you know. And, you know, again, I'm like 23 at the time. And she's calling this out that I'm like, or I was like 20, 22 at the time. She's calling out that my dad was like in his 70s. I'm like, that's a huge guess yeah. for a stranger who's walking out of a swamp towards you. <laughs> you know, if you're just cold reading somebody, right? Again, coming in with the skeptical mind. If you're just cold reading somebody, that's not your first guess. Um, and then breaking down the fact that he was a coal miner, which is true, and that he had black lung his whole life. Yeah, he started at like eight years old in the coal mine in you know, the 30s and 40s. He had black lung his whole life. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just confused as hell. She's like, and your mom's a witch. And I was like, what the f and at this point i'm thinking they're a government agent um and, and i was like uh i hadn't said anything else to her and she goes you know the mother she really appreciates what you're trying to do for her and i was like what the f <laughs> i'm planning to go to try to stop a tar sands pipeline from being built she was referring to mother earth yeah, yeah, yeah. like and i'm just like Again, freezing cold. I've been living in the woods. I look crazy. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, and she's like, would you like to come back with me to my house? I live just down the road here. You can change out of your wet clothes. I can throw those in the dryer for you. And I was like, that, that would be. at that point, I just gave up. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so we start walking down this service road, right? Same one. Well, eventually it connects into a neighborhood. As we're walking down this freaking service road, she stops and she points straight to the tree that I had hit on on that first night with the spotlight. And she said, do you see that tree? And I was like, yeah. She's like, if the cops are ever chasing you, hide underneath it. He'll protect you from them seeing you. There was a black man hung there by the police department in like the 50s. He hates police. <laughs> I, swear. I swear, again, this, this crap was going on for a week. Again, I was very stubborn and very brickheaded about paranormal and this and that it was just too much for me to be like well that's a coincidence no that's not a coincidence so we keep walking and i i never told her any of this I, we keep walking i'm just in shock and like also freezing to death get to her house she's super nice um we just have regular casual convo my clothes are drying she makes me some really nice like um a protection like pendant and like this beads and stuff like that and gives it to me mm -hmm. and um she's like well the train you're going to want to catch is going to be around here around 10 30. um and I'm like, oh, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, no, you know, like, again, like, take care, yada, yada, yada. I was like, yeah. And it was all like normal talk. It was like, oh, you ever seen you know, Xena Warrior Princess? You know, it was just like random <laughs> small talk while we were at, there was no more giant breakthroughs or anything. But, but I leave from her house and I start walking down the street. This neighborhood's pitch black. There's no street lights. And I'm, I'm walking towards that service road again. And a large black dog just starts running straight towards me. Like it's it's like a um a German Shepherd, like a big old German Shepherd, 
pitch black just starts running straight towards me mm -hmm. if you're a hitchhiker traveler whatever you always carry a knife i still do to this day just habit i guess um I grab my knife in my pocket and I, this dog's running towards me and I'm like, please don't, please don't play. I don't want to hurt this dog. I also don't want to get in a fight with the dog. But if this thing's rabid and like coming straight at me, I'm going to defend myself. And I'm like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. And like the dog's running towards me, gets right up to me and stops, sits down and just does the <laughs> and just looking at me, <laughs> big old black dog. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so I'm like, I stick my hand out. And the dog starts rubbing its head up against me. It's being super friendly. And I was just like, well, I got a train to catch. I'm like, well, if you want to come with me, you can. And I start walking. The dog stays, you know, just like step with me, you know, follows me half a mile down these service or down the service road up to the woods. Um, I hang out with that dog for the next like five hours. There's another experience later where cops come at one point. I'm like, Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Like, there's not even a train here this time. And I run up in the woods, dogs hanging out with me the whole night. I'm hiding behind a tree. This time I actually had time to find a good hiding place. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to push my luck with trust in the giant tree with a dead patch of ground underneath it. You know, I was like, hey, once is enough. Thank you, bud. Um, so I'm hiding in a good spot. And the dog's hanging out with me. Night's going on, night's going on. And the police eventually left. At that point, I'm just sitting up in the woods and I'm kind of exhausted. And I told you this is a long story, but there's a lot to convince no, me there's I, paranormal shit in the world. Okay. I'm digging it. I'm digging it, man. I'm here for it. So I have no clue what the hell this next experience was, but it was one of the cherries on top of a lot of cherries on top of this whole paranormal high strangest cake for me. I start to see from the left side, and it's just woods at this part, or mostly just woods until you get to the family dollar or whatever. Um, I start to see on my left side, like, light like coming into the woods but there's no distinct source of it it's just kind of like a, a glowing almost like early morning light at this point it's like 10 30 11 o'clock at night or it, it's late right it's somewhere between i think i eventually i do get on a train around four in the morning um lights like coming in and i'm sitting here the giant ass you know big black german shepherd being my totally my best friend right now i've been alone in the woods for a week so i'm loving this i'm a cat person obviously but I'm still, this dog's super nice. This, this dog is the cat of dogs, you know, I'm, it's a high compliment for me. I'm just petting this dog and we're hanging out and I'm talking to it and this light picks up and I'm just like, is that like somebody coming in the woods or like what, what the hell's going on? And it just kind of has this like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like the lights slowly illuminating more and more, almost like a fog that's like creeping in where it has like a distinctive stopping and starting. Like there's a hard line there, but it's soft, I guess things are starting to light up and it just slowly passes all the way over me and keeps going until the forest and i've done psychedelics in my youth i can tell you i hadn't done any psychedelics that day but it reminded me a lot of like the afterglow after like lsd or something like that where like things just kind of have like a plush like vibe and like glow to them right or if you have a very small dose of lsd you can do that or shrooms you can do that it reminded me of that i was too poor to afford drugs at the time and that witch didn't hook me up with anything so um <laughs> oh yeah but she was a witch the lady there um so everything's starting to glow mm -hmm. and i'm just petting this dog and i'm in the woods and it it's it's like a um it's like a miyazaki film or something like that it's just like everything's starting to shine around me and i'm like what the hell is going on and it just all of a sudden and i've heard a few references to this over the years I start to realize that there's like a pulse. It's like, 
Mm-hmm. And as kooky as it sounds, I felt like I was actually watching like the pulse of, of the forest I was sitting in. Like I could see it. Like I could literally see the forest like as, a, as an ecosystem, like breathing. Like, ooh, ooh. And then it just slowly fades out. That was weird. Immediately after that, a train came through. Well, half an hour, but that's a long time in train hopping day or time. So, um, or that's a short time in train hopping time. So, train comes through. It's going in the direction I want. I look at the dog and I'm like, hell yeah. And I'm like, all right, dude, I don't even know you, but you've been awesome. I got to go. And I just like run, get out to the road. Obviously, I look both ways before I cross the service road this time. There's no cop. Um, and I'm like, yes, I finally beat the cop here. I'm running along this train as it's slowly coming to a stop. Finally, find a car that I can hop on. I'm like, yes. And so I get up, I climb in, and the second I get in, cop comes down the service road and is shining a spotlight and wow. starts going down every single car looking with the spotlight in it. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I get out, I climb along the other side, swamp facing side from the service road, right? And I climb up the ladder on top of the train. Trains are, trains are very tall, right? So this is like, I get up to the top of the ladder. It's about 15, 16 feet up off the ground. There's kind of a gravel embankment at the bottom and then swamp, right? Um, and I climb up and of course there's a porthole right up at the top. So when the cop's gonna become, I had a lot of time to think cause I'm watching them search the cars that they're coming towards me, right? And there's a porthole and I'm like, crap, crap, crap. And obviously at that time of night, anything you do just makes a lot of noise, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like steel train car and large pieces of gravel below you and water and everything else is silent. Like you, you're scared to breathe, right? And adrenaline's pumping and stuff. So I get up and I climb up and I have to like, I don't know how to imagine like closing chopsticks together, right? So that's my, my hands on one bar of this ladder and my feet on the bar directly below it and I'm putting myself at like a triangle kind of angle above the porthole because I can't get on the roof because they'll see me or the top and I can't go down because they'll see me so I have this narrow little spot like 15 16 feet up above the ground on this ladder and I'm carrying like 65 70 pounds however much of like crap in my backpack right and I'm at this angle just waiting trying to hold on Cops come by, shine the light, search into the thing. They don't see me. Immediately, I think when the relief of that hit, when they went to go search the back of that train car, I just lost my grip. It, I just, I, I gave up and I fell about like 15, 16 feet, landed on my back like a turtle with my giant backpack, but it was on like loud gravel and like next to the swamp. It was loud when I crashed onto the ground. I was like, crap, 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 crap. Like I had that thought of like, am I paralyzed? No, okay. And I'm like, I get up and I'm like, I got to start trying to awkwardly like get up and like try to climb the ladder. But if you ever had a hiking backpack on and you fell on your back, it's really hard to get up, especially when you're on a hill. <laughs> so I'm struggling on this loud rock. I finally get up, take like two steps on the ladder. Spotlight comes over. And that dog pops out. What? And starts and doesn't run towards me. It runs back towards the service road and towards the woods and stops and looks at the cops. They thought the sound was the dog. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> the cops eventually leave. I climb back into the spot I was going to go, like, you know, hide in stuff to ride the train. And I look over the edge and the dog's just sitting there looking at me with the same look it had on its face when it first met me. Just, <laughs> just like oh, staring wow. up at me. 
and then I left and I, you know, went to Texas and everything else. But um, yeah, that to me, that was a very clear that that witch that knew everything about me the second I met her um, sent that dog to protect me. Wow. Straight up. Like it was. And when I told the story to my mom before I even got to the end, she was like, oh, you, you met you met a fellow sister like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we all know each other. And she was just so nonchalant because, you know, years of me being a skeptic. She's like, well, now you see. Um, but she's like, yeah, she when she gave you that, she was basically declaring like she was sending a familiar or um, an entity that she, you know, had a, some sort of spiritual relationship with. She was marking you and telling them to protect you. And I was just like, damn. So, <laughs> so that, that, yeah, that 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 is that would be her familiar. Yeah. That's and what, that, that's crazy. That whole experience was the anvil that finally broke through again, you know, the the child's uh, resistance against parents' faith and religion and stuff. Because it was a week long of crazy crap happening that yeah. I didn't want to be involved in. That's just so, like a lot of a lot of in your face stuff too. Yeah. Like it's it's it, when it the universe pushes you to a point when you cannot not look at it anymore. Yeah. Like you know, and then once your eyes are open, like it's hard to close them again. Um, that, that was an insane story, Gil. My goodness. (laughs) I don't know how to make that short because I was very brickheaded. I'm, I'm, I hope it's okay. I went on too long. No, 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 no. The length was absolutely fine. And it was, it was just like an adventure and we were all pulled along and I really appreciate it. Thank you. What a, what a great final story for this month. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, that brings us to the end here. So. Would you tell my audience where they can find and follow you online? And if anything's coming up for a black cat report, anything you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, easiest way to find us um, is go to Google, type in black cat report. Uh, you might have to throw in the word podcast at the end um, or you'll find a lot of reports of black cats. <laughs> um, not a bad thing. And yeah, but you can find us on any um, podcatcher, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Alexa, whatever. Um, you can find us there. You can also go to bcr.bio forward slash links or find that link on our Instagram, Black Cat Report, Twitter, Black Cat Report. I think we have a Mastodon account, all of them. We're on everything. Again, I do digital marketing for a living. I try to get us everywhere. Um, so yeah, you can find us on all your favorite streaming services and things like that. And yeah, in terms of upcoming shows, um, I don't know. We're just going to keep pushing strange subjects and the stuff that we love and the stuff that we like. We do have some some concepts, you know, kind of like loaded in the barrel, like coming down the line. But, uh, you know, as as the holiday season kicks in, we'll see if we'll have time to pull them off. But, but we always try to um, not stick to a format and mess mess with like what podcasts can do and things like that we really like to try to push stuff even if we only do it one time um but uh but we got some things coming up for the holiday season that uh that might be gifts yeah yeah listeners listeners i'm telling you you gotta check them out it's it's er, er, everything good i could say about the show is true it's a great great show a great experience and uh yeah you just kind of get pulled along for the ride and and i i you know i learned something new and unexpected on every episode that i've listened to so it's uh yeah it's a blast but all right gil so uh to take us out would you like to leave my audience with any final thoughts words of wisdom or a piece of advice 100 percent um go down the rabbit hole um let your adhd or your distractions like lead your imagination uh always 
always look at the untitled documents on cia.gov forward slash like the vault or whatever it is where they have all their government documents all the disclosed documents always look at the ones that say untitled there's so much juicy stuff there and um don't be afraid to research it's fun discovering stories people have forgotten or have been completely lost and there's a specific thrill to when you come across something that you just can't find when you google it and you realize you're the only one holding that information like it's i get a kick out of it so please uh just research just look stuff up have fun like go have fun please <laughs> and that's it yeah all right gil host of the black cat report thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me thank you gil for appearing on the show with me i cannot tell you how awesome it was to get to speak with you listeners if you enjoyed today's chat you may enjoy catching gil back on his home turf find the black cat report anywhere you listen to podcasts follow him and the show on the socials you heard the man they're everywhere. Uh, heads up, everyone. <laughs> the show will be going dark next week. I am taking some time to shake off Spooktober and gear back up for the Bigfoot train. We have got a lot to get into before the year is out. And I am so excited for it, dudes. I have got some great guests lined up that I think you guys are going to be especially excited for. So to be continued shortly follow the show on the socials at paranorm girl pod for updates and on youtube for your entertainment i have uploaded the replay of this past sunday's halloween celebration consider it a little bonus episode this month so check it out thank you guys so much for tuning in today i hope you guys have a fabulously spooky rest of your Halloween. I will catch you all in a couple of weeks. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.